Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Lord, as well for the chance to be able to give back to you what has been given to us. We thank you, God, that you're expanding us with two locations. We're honored, God, that we get a chance to open up your word and hear from you. And we're amazed, God, that you still are able to gather us in the midst of COVID, in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of variants. Lord, you're still gathering your people. We ask you right now, God, that we would hear from you and be change. You do not want to entertain us. You're not here to just create any kind of celebration for a man, but rather we are here to hear from you. So we come in that posture, Lord, seeking your face and wanting to hear your voice. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, honored to have you all here again, worshiping and seeking the Lord's face. We are in this Abundant Mindset series. We're in our third week, and it's all coming out of John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. When you think about that word abundance, you think of words like overflow, surplus, more than enough, plentiful, right? Abounding. And one of the things that I think about when I think about the word abundance is I think about the word thriving. Thriving. And when I think about thriving, I tend to think about having everything working right. In fact, oftentimes we talk about surviving or thriving. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about how God overflows through our emotions, that our lives would be thriving. That we would be able to, no matter the circumstances around us, no matter if people are seeing their lives shaken, you are not shaken. No matter if everything's collapsing around you, you are settled. What we talked about earlier uh, in this series is The abundant life begins with godliness. It begins with your posture towards God. We said that godliness is devotion in action. It's you being able to have a posture of walking with God day by day, moment by moment. And as you have devotion unto God, it flows into your life because the spirit of God saturates your life. Then we said, not only do we want to have godliness, but it moves into gratitude Because it's a state of thinking. Now I see all that God has for me. Psalm 23 says, in the presence of my enemies, my cup is overflowing. That means right as an enemy is looking at you, you're not focused on the enemy. You're focused on the cup. You're thinking about all that God has given you. That's an abundance mindset because you're thinking about all that God has. So it begins with godliness, moves into gratitude. And so today we want to talk about your emotional state. We want to talk about what God wants to do inside of you. So we want to talk about gladness, gladness. 
Gladness is a unique emotion because gladness isn't just having joy. Oftentimes we we mix those words gladness and joy together, but gladness is joy with sadness. There's a contentment to gladness. Gladness precedes or oversees. uh, It triumphs over circumstances. When I um, was a young man, way back when, a song came out in 1980, a song by Frankie Beverly and Mays. It was a song called Joy and Pain, Sunshine and Rain. Amen? 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 Now, now, the song is is actually about relationships. And the song is talking about relationships come with the good and the bad. And so in the song, if you know the original song from 1980, it's a real melodious, cool song. And what he says, uh, what, what Mays says in the song is he says, where there's a flower. Now listen to the prophet. Where there's a flower, okay, there's the sun. What does he say? And the rain. He says, oh, but it's wonderful. They're both one in the same. Now, what, what he's saying is, if you see the beauty of God's creation, you see a flower, it came not just from the warmth of the sun, it came from the tragic motions of rain as well. And what he's trying to get at is everything beautiful comes with pain as well. So that's why the song is joy and pain, sunshine and rain. But see, many of you don't know that version. You know the Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock version. And that version is like pump, pump, pump it up, you know, and it's come, you know, you just keep moving to it. That song came out in 1989. And when that song came out, it was literally a dance song. And that song is meant to make you move and have fun and do what we called the running man at the time. If you don't know what it is, Google it, kids. It was fantastic. Literally, the hook of the song keeps talking about joy and pain. But the song itself is only about fun. When you look at the lyrics of Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock's version, basically, they don't talk about joy or pain at all. He just talks about how good of a rapper he is. Praise God for DJ Easy Rock and Rob Bass. But I think there's something instructional in the way that they did that song. You see, what Mays was originally trying to get at when he was singing that song was he was trying to get you to understand, don't get too caught up with a person because they're good to you right now. Because even that good person will come with pain. Rob Bass remixing just said, listen, just let's keep moving. Let's keep having fun. But I think that is instructional for us because I think what we have a tendency to do is we don't, when we're in circumstances, we don't see joy and pain. We see joy or pain. We think people are all good or all bad. We think circumstances are all good or all bad. We think new opportunities are all good or all bad. We think new people, new relationships are all good or all bad. The the truth of the matter is, as we said, gladness is joy with sadness 
It, it means that I understand that joy always comes with pain. And see, people who think that it's all good, they don't like to face some of the realistic facts of pain in their circumstance. So you end up being some of these people that always say that they're blessed when really they have some really tragic things happening in their life and they're just unwilling to stare them in the face because they cannot withstand some of the painful moments in their world. When you're an all good type of person, you end up living a life naive. But on the other side of that, you can become an all bad type of person. And this is where many of us end up becoming because we end up, because life punches you in the mouth, and you become cynical. And there's many people you've met like that. I remember when we were having our first child. When we had our first child, you know, people were excited. But there's always that one person, like, you about to have a baby? You about to feel pain, boy? Life is hard. You know, you're just like, who are you? Do you make... (laughs) You make Hallmark cards? Like, is this what you do? but what 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 but what happens is remember what i said earlier everybody's operating from abundance no one is not operating from abundance and what happens is people that are cynical are actually just overflowing with the pain of their tragic past and they're actually trying to help you by warning you by all the pain that's coming but the problem is they frame life as only painful as only tragic And then, so there are people who are naive and they just want to paint things as all good. And then there are people who are cynical and they want to paint things as all bad. And gladness is able, we're able to see joy comes with pain, sunshine and rain. And so what we want to do today is we want to be able to look at the way that God wants us to see things. Ecclesiastes 1.8, I want you to look at that real quick. Ecclesiastes 1.8. Solomon here says something really powerful. He says, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And what Solomon says there is, look look what he's talking about. Everything you see, the thing that catches your eye, the new shiny thing that will catch your eye, although it comes with excitement, at one point it will come with weariness. He says, there is in your ear, your ears will be filled with something new and exciting and opportunistic and great. But that new great thing will also come with a pain point that you've got to embrace. That's what he says. All things are full of Weariness. Would you say that with me? All things. All things are full of weariness. New people, new places, new opportunity, all things. New friendships, new relationships, new car, new clothes, new apartment, new town. All things come with weariness. Weariness. It wears you down. It wears you out. It burns you out. If you try to find your hope in a new thing, you will still have the same old pain. And so he says, you've got to get to the place where you realize new things cannot be your hope. And if you do, you will find yourself living in futility. It is with that mentality that Solomon is trying to cast that vision. You know, one of the best things that you could do to minister to people 
When you get a new thing, help people who are looking at you, excited about what you have, help people to see that it has joy and pain because you will keep them from idolatry. Because there are people, I'm going to tell you right now, watch this. There are people right now, you think you have stuff going on pretty bad? There are people right now that literally think you have it together. I'm, I'm telling you, there are people like, look at them. You're like, look at me. Like, that's what's happening right now. I'm telling you, there are people, you, you, you move to New York. They're like, look at them in New York. You're like, look at me in New York. Like, you're just, I'm telling you right now, that's happening. There are people, and the problem is the, the Instagramification of society where we have all these headlines and highlights and then, and, and you, and you live in that. You curate that. You like that. You literally like that they like that, right? So the problem is we tell only a joy story in pictures and videos, but you don't give them the behind the scenes. You don't tell them it comes with pain. Yeah, you're in New York. You just made rent. Come on. So if we're honest, we don't tell. The reason why often idolatry happens is because we don't tell honest stories. When um, I didn't, I never, and I love having such a young church. It's, you know, we had like 15 people get married. They all left. We got 15 new singles. Praise God. I love everybody. (laughs) Lord have mercy on my soul. Boy, we just get younger. I just get grayer. Amen. So, you know, um, I remember when I did college ministry and when I was doing, when I was doing college ministry, it was wild because when I was dating in college ministry, I was still a leader in the college ministry. So in other words, I would do sermons on dating while I was dating Natasha. So it was, that's a wild thing. One is one thing to do marriage sermons. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing to do dating sermons because amen. So it's just totally different. So then, so everybody, you know, I was, I'd be up there doing these dating messages, all that. And then what ended up happening was, um, I got married and it was great. And it was a great wedding. And so it's really weird because all my roommates were single, you know, and then I get married and move in with your wife. And, and, and so I'm just a little further ahead than everybody. Right. And so everybody was like, yo, what's it like? What's it like to be married? You married now. You married now. Yeah. And of course, I was excited. Like, you know, it's amazing. You know, we do devotionals together. You know, we're just, it's amazing. And as great as it was, here's what I found. I would just tell people the highlights. And people thought the highlights were the real life. And when they thought the highlights were the real life, they got married thinking my life was a highlight. And then when they got, they got married and they found out there wasn't the highlight all the time, they didn't want to be in it anymore. Because they felt the tragic nature of it. So here's what I've learned. I've learned that whenever I advance in a season and I see people behind me, I always tell a story of joy and pain. Because I know that our hearts make, our heights, our hearts are idol factories where we make people and situations idols. So now I tell people all the time, marriage is great. I remember when we had kids, kids are great. Moved to New York. I planted a church. New York is great. I have this young church. My church is great. But I've found that I have to create words for people to understand what I'm trying to get at. So I made up a word. 
It's amazing whack okay sometimes. It's all that. Is my wife amazing? Oh my gosh, she's amazing. How's family? It, it can be whack sometimes. But it's amazing and it's whack and it's okay and it's sometimes. It's, it's all those things. It's all those things. I love my children, but they're whack. And my wife, yo, she really loves me. And one thing, my wife, she don't be lying, but when she talks about me sometimes, she'd be like, you know, my husband, Jay. And then, and then I'll look at her and she'd be like, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of hyping this because, because she knows that I'm broken and things are just not like you have to steward your story by making it real for people because we can't, you, you know, right now you're, you're doing this too. You're watching people, you're watching broken people thinking they're whole and they're not. And their situation is amazing. Whack. Okay. Sometimes. And I'm telling you right now, one of the best things for me when I started my church was I stopped looking at what was happening at other churches because I was like, man, that's amazing. I wish I had that. And I've learned to say that situation is amazing whack okay sometimes. It might be more people. It might be in a new space. It might be all that. We're getting two new campuses. Uh, one more campus. No, no, one campus. Hallelujah. One campus. You want to hear a secret about this new campus? Guess what? It's amazing whack okay sometimes. And there are people impressed by it. I'm impressed by it. I'm also depressed by it a little bit. (laughs) Tell your story honestly. Because people actually want you to be dishonest. Because one of the best things we could do is have a circumstance heal us. Because circumstances, I can get to that. Oh, if I just get a new body, what are you doing? You doing gluten-free? Ooh. Keto? Oh. If I lose a certain amount of pounds, if I, if I get a certain relationship, and that's what we want to do. We want to manufacture joy by creating a new circumstance. And it will never heal your heart. And so David, he does this thing in Psalm 16 where he paints a picture of gladness. And so I want you to, I want you to unpack this because this is what I want for your life. I don't want you to think circumstances will make you thriving. A new thing will make you have a thriving, abundant life. It is the condition of your heart. It is your settledness in the Lord. Always, 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 always. It is not where you go, it is your anchoring. It's you being anchored in the Lord. That is where your joy, that is where gladness comes from. Look in Psalm 16, look in Psalm 16. Look at what David says. In the end, David is going to say that this is what causes him to have gladness. So we could, in many ways, look at this as a description of what gladness is in the life of the believer. Psalm 16. Here in Psalm 16, David says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. And we know that 
the refuge would be the hiding place for anyone who was running away, possibly from the law, or they were running away from their enemies, that you're my hiding place. In other words, I run to you in hard times. I don't run away from you. And he says, I run to you. And this is what he says. I say to the Lord, you're my Lord. And I have no good apart from you. I say to the Lord, you're my Lord. I have no good apart from you. If you notice here, Lord is repeated, uh, repeated here. When he says, I say to the Lord, you're my Lord. We'll just say it this way. When he says, the first time he says, Lord, that is the personal name of God. When he says, Lord, the second time, that's the title given to God. So in other words, when he says, Lord, the first time, he is saying, I have a personal, intimate relationship with you. So I call you Lord, Adonai. But then there is the instructional, governmental leader, master, teacher. You're also my Lord. You're my leader. And he is able to have this balance of having intimacy and instruction from God. Here, David teaches us that one of the first stages of having a heart that is glad is really beckoning into how intimate you are with God, but then how submitted you are to him as well. You see, if you notice, he says, I say to the Lord, and that's what he's saying, that I come to God And I got a good, strong relationship with God. But he's saying, if you want a heart that's glad, it is not enough for you to talk to God in the hard times. It is important enough for you to call God your Lord, meaning call him the leader of your life in all circumstances. The question is then, not do you just pray. The question is, are you fully submitted to God right now? You know, oftentimes people are figuring out their emotional state, and I think that therapy is a wonderful thing. But I think in addition to therapy, in addition to having a moment where you're looking in your world, I think we're just not adding the word obedience enough to the conversation. Oftentimes people are like, I got to look at my past. Well, just what did you do last night? That, let's start with that past. Because I think one of the things that, I think one of the things that we, one of the things that we have to be very careful about is trying to turn this space into all inspiration and no leadership. And that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying here. Yes, you are my intimate God, but you are also my leader. And that is the question that you have to ask yourself in the beginning. With your walk with God, in your emotional state, have you fully submitted to God in every area of your life? Or do you have the kind of prayer life where you want God to submit to you? And so we say things like, Jesus, take the wheel. Well, when we look at our functional lives, Jesus can't take the wheel in the passenger seat. Moreover, 
for some of us, functionally, the way that we operate, we're so committed to the plan that we have that our prayers are an afterthought. And Jesus is not, Jesus can't take the wheel while he's bound up, tied up in the trunk. Because the reality is, he's not in the car, he's in the trunk because you've kidnapped him to your will. The reality is you're going to do it anyway. That's a fact. And, and it's, it amazes me because I've sat down and counseled people and I'll be like, yeah, I don't know. You know, consider this Bible verse, chapter, experience, life, Holy Ghost, discernment. You know what I'm saying? And they'll be like, hmm, I'm going to pray about it. And I'm like, you don't need to pray about it. The Lord spoke right here in this verse. And what I'm and I'm, I'm realizing you want to be inspired, not led. And that's how and that's that is becoming the 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 body of Christ. Sometimes we struggle not just because we have trauma and problems. Some of us are just not walking behind God. We're not following. And if you want great leadership, question your followership. Are you following God? And so he says, and notice what he says. He has to tell God, you are my Lord. And so some, I, I want you to begin to speak over your life the areas where you're not sure you're submitted and speak, God, God, you are the Lord over my integrity, over my finance. God, and what I'm saying is, God, I don't want you to be because I want to do what I want to do. But I speak obedience over my life right now, God. You are my Lord. You're the Lord of my sexuality. You're the Lord of my finance. You're the Lord of my relationships. You're the Lord of me at midnight. You're my Lord. You are 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 my Lord. You lead me. Because if I don't speak over my life, your leadership, I will lead my own life. I just want to pray right now. I just feel the Lord. I just, Father, would you break the yoke of disobedience in this house right now, God? Would you just break, just pray with me, church. Pray with me, church. Would you break the yoke of disobedience, the quiet disobedience? God, I pray we move from private sin to private worship right now, Jesus. I pray we move from private sin to, you are my Lord, God. You are my Lord. You are the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my quiet areas, God. You are my Lord, God. I pray right now that someone is fasting for a yoke to be broken right now. I pray you would meet them in this fast so that they would have a a life of abundance. You are my Lord. 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 I submit my life to you, God. Every area of my life, God, you, I, I will not hide anything from you. I want to hide in you. You're my hiding place. In Jesus' name. I want you to just give it up to the Lord right now. He says, David says, he goes on to say, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup you hold my lot. So, so look at what he goes from. He goes from intimacy to submission. And then I want you to see what he does here. He says, the Lord is my chosen portion. Uh, I 
feel like God has anointed me to be a fried chicken connoisseur. I don't know what your... You feel like God has called you to that as well? Uh, it's a skill. It's a skill. I don't, I don't like to brag about it. But um, now, meat lovers in the house? Anybody? I know, I know it's a vegan, you know what I'm saying? But is any meat lovers in the house? Okay, okay, okay. All right. If you're vegan, you're, we're here. We can talk about broccoli in a second. But anyway... Listen, listen, God's got something to say to all of us. Um, do you know what he's saying? So what, what, would, what would kings do? Kings would have wine and they would have uh, steak or, you know, just some, some incredible meat that would be given unto them. And the king would always get the best parts of the animal. And so the idea of a chosen portion is, see, I, I am a leg guy. That's my deal. So when I get a piece of chicken, I'm, I'm, when I go to Popeye's, and that's my, my preference, okay? That's where God has me. We can all be in the kingdom together. No segregation, but that's where the Lord has me. All right, so when I go to Popeye's, I don't ask for diversity, okay? All legs up in that little box. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's my chosen portion. So when I eat it, I just, because, you know, it's thicky. I like all that. I like that. I like all that. I like that. It's what I like. It's, it's what I like. It's what I like. Now listen, listen, listen. Notice, notice he's using imagery of me to talk about you are the one I like. And I just want you to notice something. It is one thing to say, I'm intimate with you. It's another thing to say, I'm submitted to you. It's a whole other thing to say, I like to be with you. I just like being with God. I ain't got to be here. I like Jesus. No, no, I love him. Don't get me wrong. He saved my life. But I'm saying you don't got to like drum up nothing in me. Because I like him. I like talking to him. I like singing to him. I like reading about him. Ooh, ooh. And you know what? I like telling other people about him. I like the Lord. And I tell people how much I like him. You don't have to force me into talking about Jesus because I like him. He's my chosen portion. And what I'm saying is when we talk about gladness, it's not just about intimacy. You can discipline yourself into intimacy. In fact, the spirit of God brings you into, as you have that discipline, that intimate discipline with God of intimacy, and you move into a life of submission, then the the intimacy with God and the submission with God should bring this place of delight where you start to want him over sin. I want you more. I just want you. And that, that, that takes time, I know, but it comes to a place where he's your chosen portion. When I um, was a young man, I remember that I was single, actually. Uh, I, was at, um, I was doing college ministry with Rasul, actually, in D.C. And uh, it's a Howard University, and Rasul was somewhere frolicking around uh, the country, speaking about the Lord. And uh, I was I was at the crib by myself, and and I was like, you know what? I'm grown. I'm not going to church. I'm grown, you know, because I was doing ministry all week, and I was like, I need to chill. 
And so I stayed home. And I was like, that was kind of good. <laughs> I'm going to do that again. <laughs> you know, and I did it again. And I'm, I'm going to just say this. I stayed home again and again. And I, it's, listen, it's not that I got to the place where I was just convicted. I just miss being in the house of the Lord. I just missed it. And I, and I want to encourage you all as we come into this season. Listen, we got variants. I think I, 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 I bless your hesitancy. Because we Omicron, is Lambda, what are we doing next? Huh? <laughs> Help me, God. So I, I, I but I just, I just, I, I, it's not about, do you miss it? Do you miss being with the people of God? Where you like, you just like it. You like God. You like being amongst his people. And I want you to get to that place. Nobody can force you. Nobody can cajole you into this place. It just, you got to like something. You can't force people to like things. But he says, you're my chosen portion. And that it gets to the place where you just enjoy God. You enjoy God's people. And I want that for you. I want you to feel that when you come to the space, I want you to enjoy that. And so that's where David moves to when he says that he's my chosen portion. This year, as with every year, when you see this progression David has of intimacy with God, submission to God, and delight in God, you see a byproduct in verse 7 through 9. He says, I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And in the night, also my heart instructs me. I want you to notice what he does there. He says, I will bless the Lord. But he also says, in the night, my heart instructs me. So I get counsel from the Lord. But he also observes, my heart instructs me in the night. David says, even in the midst of having all these great things, I seek the Lord's face for counsel. He says, but when I lay down at night, my heart starts giving me instructions. What he's saying is, there's a competition happening. The Lord counseling me and my heart instructing me. Not a person, but my heart. You see, within your heart, there are all these hidden spots of fears. There are all these hidden spots of of trauma. There are all these hidden spots of your past. And those moments that have so broken you and so hurt you, listen, they're not only painful, they're instructional. They begin to tell you what kind of person you are. They begin to tell you what your future is going to be like. They begin to minimize your gifting and it begins to punish you in the night, in the night, my heart instructs me. He's saying, I will bless the Lord. He gives me counsel. I told him he's my Lord. But even in the midst of that, my heart still instructs me. I have a different teacher projecting pain, projecting my past. And so what he says, as he says this happens at night for him, he says, I've set the Lord Always before me, though. 
what it sounds like to me, David is saying is, is that I seek God for counsel and then I've got a, a competitor happening inside of me. What happens is I just keep placing the Lord before me. I keep placing the Lord before myself. So I seek his face and I would be going to him day by day and moment by moment. And, and as I do this, I want you to notice what he says. Because he's at my right hand, this is what he says. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. I shall not be shaken. Would you say that with me? I shall not be shaken. What he's talking about when he's talking about shaken, he's saying that I will not be in chaos while chaos is happening around me. Because my heart has instructed me, but every time my heart tries to instruct me, the Lord is right before me. He says, I set the Lord before me. I will not be shaken. This year, I pray you could speak that over your life. I will not be shaken. Not because everything worked out. I pray that when we talk about having a life that's thriving and abundant, it's not because everything worked right this year. It's because you were anchored in the Lord. I will not be shaken. When I was a young man, I was a little kid. My first year playing football, I was really good. And I'd always break through the line and make tackles. And so I'll never forget, the coach told me, I remember him whispering, well, he was whispering over to the other coach. And he says, Okay, James, you keep, keep, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep, you know, keep breaking through the line. And what, what happens is, is that when you're on the defensive line and you come through, um, they have this thing called a trap play. And in a trap play, they actually use your momentum against you. So a guy that's always breaking through the line, what they'll do is they'll let him through while someone else is actually lining up to hit them. Now, I was 10 years old at the time, so I was like, here I go again. I'm about to crush somebody. And while that was happening, someone was angling at me and, listen, hit me so hard that I began to go through the air, fell, and I sprained my tailbone. That's your behind, okay? So now I'm, I'm limping because my, I didn't even know what a tailbone was, didn't know it could be sprained. Horrible. So now I'm walking around, right? And I couldn't believe it because I didn't see it coming. I actually, they used my gifting against me. My ability worked against me because I was so skillful at getting through the line. They used it against me. They said, okay, now let him go through. And I got hit. So that was my first year. Well, fast forward to my senior year in high school. We're playing our rival. And we ended up winning. And that year we did really well. I was a captain of the team, working out all the time, but I had a lot of experience. And one of the things that happened was there was this guy talking trash to me the whole game, the whole game. And the year before they had beaten us. And I mean, he was just in my ear and in my ear and in my ear. And you know, one of the things about people who talk trash in a game, it doesn't bother you till you start losing. It's true. And I remember the year before, he was like, we're going to crush you. We're going to kill you. And while we were winning, I was like, see, you're not doing nothing. Then when we started losing, guess what? I, start, I started thinking, maybe they're right. 
Literally, I remember thinking that. Like, maybe they're just better than us. So that whole year, I just trained. I trained. And I thought about that one dude. I literally thought about that one dude. I trained. I trained. I was like, oh, I'm going to be ready for this one dude. I'm going to be ready for this one dude. I'm going to be ready for this one dude. And literally, what happened in the middle of the game, I broke through the line. And he was angling me up. But see, I caught him out the corner of my eye. Because I've, I've just, I had been around the block a little bit. I caught him out the corner of my eye. Literally what happened. I come through the line and, and I've, I've been hit so many times. I know that I have to have periphery. And so I come through the line and I feel him and I go like this. <laughs> Promise you. Promise you. Listen. And he fell to the ground. And I wanted to have some kind of like cool line, like, yeah, you're like, yeah, I just, and I remember I was so shocked that my, cause that was my reflexes. It wasn't, I didn't do it in real time. I just, it was my reflex. And when I hit him, I went, he went to the ground and I wanted to say something, but he looked at me like, you know, you don't need to say nothing. Like, <laughs> you know, I was trying to hit you. And so he got up and just stared at me and I stared at him and he walked away. And he wanted to blindside me, but I was not shaken. He wanted to move me. He was moved. And I'm going to tell you right now, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Much of your walk with God has been destroyed by surprise. You didn't see it coming. You thought something was going to be different. And oftentimes what kills us isn't the pain. It's the surprise of the pain. And we don't, we're not ready for it. But listen, God is teaching you through the trauma of shock so that you can have a periphery, so that you can go into this next year and say, I will not be shaken. And something is going to try to move you, but it will be moved and you will not move. And I speak stability over your life right now. I speak anchoring over your life right now. Strength right now. You will not be shaken because everything around you can be falling apart. You won't fall apart. You won't fall apart. And I'm not telling you something I don't know. If I told you the things happening in my life right now, we would, we would literally intercede. You'd be like, let's pray for Jim. Just father right now, just crazy stuff happening. If you think your life gets attacked, always think about a spiritual leader. Think about my kids. Think about my wife. Oh, but I will not be shaken. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken by a second campus. I won't be shaken by circumstances. I won't be shaken by alpha, beta, gamma variant. I won't be shaken. I remember when I, we started the church and I remember seeing this church with no people in it. I will not be shaken. And I want, I, ne- I want you to get to the place in your life. Listen. When you got blindsided, God was preparing you so that you could say this, that you will not be shaken. You're getting stronger now, wiser now, clarity now, vision now. You will not be shaken. You're stronger now because of it. You're wiser now because of it. Oh, and he's made me glad. Look at, therefore, my heart is glad. Joy with pain, sunshine. And rain, every good thing will come with its own pain. You will not be shaken.
because the Lord is your anchor. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now, Lord, because you are our stability. You are our strength. God, I just pray for the freedom in this room, the freedom to know that the pain that came into our lives, it came to prepare us and strengthen us. It came to make us wiser so that we would not be shaken. God, even now, for those that have come with burdens in this room, for those that have come with a heart that is broken, God, we lay our broken heart. We lay our broken dreams before you. For those of us that have come with a heart that's been instructing us with all types of sadness, all types of debilitating stories about who we're not, it's just trying to surprise us. It's trying to knock us down. Let it strengthen us. Let it give us wisdom so that we would be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. Holy Spirit, we expect you to move. In Christ's name, amen, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.